Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to Mafia, a new podcast telling stories of America's criminal underworld. Gotti assumed the position of head of the Gambino family. And using the name Donnie Brasco, I was able to infiltrate the uh, Bonanno uh, crime family in New York City. Bugsy Siegel is an American mob legend. One man changed the whole texture and landscape of crime in America. Listen to Mafia every Wednesday on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your favorite shows. Five, four, three, two, one. Cue music. This is Movies First with Alex First and Chris Coleman. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Movies First. It's the exciting time of the year because in America they're in the height of summer which means there are blockbusters being released all over the place and those blockbusters are filtering their way around the world and with me, Chris Coleman, to talk about them is Alex First. Greetings to you, Mr First. Sir, it is an exciting time of year and when it is cold outside... You can warm up by going to the movies. So what could be a better way of entertaining yourself? Indeed and absolutely. So let's talk about uh, a special effects extravaganza, a a movie that pushes the bounds of the Star Trek universe in new directions. It is called Star Trek Beyond. Absolutely. Are you a Trekkie or not? I. We can start with the whole discussion about whether they're called Trekkies or Trekkers. You know. Uh, well, yeah. I, I, I do. I do enjoy Star Trek. I wouldn't say I get carried away by it. Uh, for example, the other day, someone alerted me to the fact that you can now buy uh, a Bluetooth gadget that will pair up with your phone, so you can, and it's shaped like a Star Trek communicator. Of course it is. I mean, what could be better than that? You're quite, you must own one of those things. Well, see, I didn't get excited to that, to that degree, but I know... Oh, I, I, I reckon, look, I, I've got excited with this reboot because I know that there was the original and the, the origin series, there's nothing better than it, and I don't disagree with any of that, but J.J. Abrams took it, shook it up, and made it funny as well. And I think that that's the essence of why all of the three Star Treks, including Star Trek Beyond Work, you got 2009 Star Trek, 2012 Star Trek Into Darkness, J.J. Abrams at, in the director's chair for both of those, this time selected a director called Justin Lin. Now, I don't know whether that name means anything to you, but veteran of the Fast and Furious franchise. The, the real action movie stuff, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So let's go. First one, all about forming the group that would become this family. Second one, galvanising them in the face of a new threat. Both of those movies were earthbound, ultimately. This is the first time Star Trek Beyond, which is rated M in Australia, runs for 122 minutes. First time we witness them, the group of them, on a five-year mission. 
they're almost three years into it, chance to see the Starship Enterprise having the kind of adventure that you would associate with the original series out in the far-flung reaches of the galaxy. Ah, so boldly going where no man has gone before, etc., etc. And it's there that they encounter, not surprisingly, a new enemy, which puts them and everything the Federation stands for to the test. You've got the usual stars. Mm -hmm. Chris Pine, Zachary Quinto, Simon Pegg, Anton Yelchin, more to say about the dear departed at age 27 shortly, Zoe Saldana, Carl Urban, John Cho. Idris Elba, cast as the bad guy here, Krell. Would he be able to do Bond and Star Trek movies at the same time? Why not? He's a man of all tastes and sizes and shapes, and especially when you're wearing an alien costume. (laughs) So, I yeah, but, I, I mean, let's be honest, if you're going to be an alien you usually only last one episode anyway so i don't think that'll be a real real issue he's no longer the favorite though to take on the bond role is he hiddleston Hiddleston. it it keeps changing tom well i mean yes the 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 very impolite way of saying it is is he's the squeeze of a very very um of a pop queen that is sort of undergoing a little bit of social media uh yes how how does one put taylor swift and and what, what's going on with her in, in life. I thought she was almost untouchable until the last few weeks. Have you been noticing all that social media activity oh, about her? It, it, it leaves me cold, Alex. It leaves me cold. Oh, well, this is the world in which we live. I Young know. buy into it. It's extraordinary how many people have bought into that. And as I say, I mean, Taylor Swift was the, the young woman who could do no wrong until recently. Can't, can't good things be left alone? No, obviously not. Yes, all right. Why am Let's I talk about the answering? movies instead. Let's talk about movies instead. All right, so having said that, well, I like Taylor Swift, so it sort of offends my, my, my cute sensitivities. This story on Star Trek Beyond was written by Simon Pegg and Doug Jung. One of the bigger plot points, by the way, dramatically changes the course of events is the destruction of the Starship Enterprise, which leaves the crew stranded on this unexplored, dangerous alien planet called Altamid. The crew is separated, thrown in different directions. They are actually forced to try to survive and reconnect. So what the writers have done, they paired characters that had previously shared very little screen time to see what made each of them tick. Mm -hmm. Not a bad idea, actually. So you've got a newly introspective Captain Kirk, Chris Pontman, finding himself stranded with the youthful optimist in Chekhov, Anton Yelchin. And when it came to finding this dramatic comedic foil for the pragmatic half-Vulcan commander Spock, Zachary Quinto, the writers paired him with the ever-cantankerous Dr Bones McCoy, Carl Urban. And as Kirk's two closest friends, Spock and Bones reliably fail to see eye to eye when making decisions. So that conflict, of course, makes for good entertainment. With a real-life passing of Leonard Nimoy, the filmmakers wanted to memorialise the death of the original Spock and show the impact of his loss on the younger Spock, and that they have done in Star Trek Beyond. So so that was a very clever plot device in the previous one in the franchise. Yes, and look, again, it is reverential here. So real Trekkers or Trekkies will appreciate it. In addition to losing the Enterprise, the end of Spock and Uhara, Zoe Saldana's relationship, provides the film with an additional metaphoric casualty. You've got Scotty, Simon Pegg, finding himself depending upon Yala. Now, Yala is the franchise newcomer, Sophia Butella, strong-willed, 
technologically adept alien ally who saves his life on the surface of Altamid. In addition to Yala and Kral, the makeup and costume departments worked in tandem to create 53 unique alien races for the movie. Why does the number 53 resonate, Christopher? Uh, it's the number of bells that used to be in the Canberra Carillion. Well done. <laughs> well done. The number of bells that used to be in the Carillion, and you can hear more about that if you listen to our latest podcast on travel called Travel First. The 53 unique alien races is more than any previous Star Trek outing. In fact, more than the first two in this reboot combined. Wow. Yeah, a small army of makeup artists and sculptors and painters and mould technicians and silicon experts worked around the clock seven days a week, that means, folks, in workshops in Burbank, in Vancouver and Dubai. Star Trek Beyond, most enjoyable. Adrenaline-packed ride into the unknown. Notwithstanding, though, the full-on action and effects, it's really the humour that elevates the film to greater heights. That is apparent from the opening sequence, liberally peppered throughout the screenplay. Importantly, we get to see a side of Spock we have not seen before. Bones as well, given more room to move. That is a very good thing. Yala, feisty, worthwhile addition to the cast. And there's more to Crowell than meets the eye. His disenchantment with the Federation stems from his past. And I've said you've got to go along and see it. Saddest of all, though, for me, was seeing Anton Yelchin in full voice doing such an excellent job as he usually does in movies. Of course, he tragically passed away only last month in June at the age of 27 in a freak accident. That's June 2006 for anybody listening, 2016 for anybody listening to this years after the event. Freak accident in which he was pinned against his own car when it rolled backwards. Fortunately, there are a few other movies to follow that he completed, others in post-production that will still feature Anton Yelchin. I couldn't help thinking, though, Chris, of the man's potential, snuffed out far, far too young mm. while I was sitting there watching Star Trek Beyond. It really is very sad. The film itself, big and bold and loud. I was particularly conscious of the violence and hand-to-hand combat scenes, but also of the fun elements. So you've got combat, but you also got fun and, and laughter. Aficionados won't, will not be disappointed. The franchise continues to prosper and there will be more and it, it's going to do well. It, it deserves to do well. Star Trek Beyond, seven to seven and a half out of ten. And that is the latest in the Star Trek franchise and there are more to come, aren't there? There are indeed. There always will be more to come because this, like a bond, will continue to live on in people's imaginations and as long as it does, they will want more of them. Let's move from uh, from Star Trek Beyond to Maggie's Plan. Gee, we're jumping a bit around this week. Well, that's all right. Maggie's Plan's been around for a while, and I, I, I thought, well, we, we should talk about it. We both discussed it because there's been so many movies, and we tend to do three or four a week with a show that we, we've had to play a bit of catch-up. That's okay. Maggie's Plan. Now, there, there is one actor that has driven me nuts over the years. I, I can honestly say that I don't think I've liked her in anything because it's like, you know, when you put your, your fingers against a blackboard and you, you, the fingernails go down. Like, like Roy Scheider in Jaws. He, well, I didn't mind that. <laughs> you... And the fingernails down the board. Oh, yes, sorry. Yeah, that, yes, that bit, yeah, yeah. That bit, sorry. Yes, sorry, no, yes. I thought you were more commenting, clear. Yeah, commenting on his performance, but no, you were not doing so. So, I mean, I, I went... I tiptoed into the cinema thinking, oh, really? Do I need to do this? That's not a good sign when you walk in there that way. Guess what? I was pleasantly surprised. This is the first film that I've liked her in. 
So who are we talking about, Alex? No, no, I'm building this up. Oh, sorry, sorry. I'm building this up slowly. How dare I undermine your suspense? That's all right. Yes, my suspenders are being undermined. Uh, but that's okay. I mean, I, I think that when you don't like somebody and y- your mind can be turned, that means that, in a sense, they've done something really special. And, and that, that, yeah, isn't that great? So this is a quirky romantic comedy. It concerns a vibrant and practical 30-something-year-old professional totally comfortable in her own skin. Maggie's plan concerns Maggie Harden. That's the character's name, played by... I've I've held you in suspenders long enough. Mm. Greta Gerwig. I don't know whether that name means anything to you, quite frankly. Um, You spoke with me about Frances Ha a couple of years ago. Yeah. Very good. Right. Well... Maggie Harden, as played by Greta Gerwig, is at a crossroads in her life. She's charming. She's optimistic. Success in her career in education. She's got wonderful friends, but something is missing. Her sensible nature has led her to decide that without a great love in her life, she's going to have to have a child on her own, courtesy of a sperm donor. Mm -hmm. She's even picked out the father. Travis Femil, or Femel rather, plays that role. He is, for all intents and purposes, a glorified pickle salesman. Mm. Well, there's a plot device. There is a plot. I can't say that I've seen a glorified pickle salesman turned test tube donor. I can't, I can't say I've heard, seen a, a pickle salesman in a movie ever. No. I, yeah. I'm, I'm struggling to think of one. Google it while we're talking. <laughs> well, of course, he would prefer to go about this the traditional way. Surprise, surprise. Gerwig is not so keen. Then, unexpectedly, she meets a college professor, an anthropologist and a struggling novelist. They're all the same person. Ethan Hawke fills that role. He's in a strained marriage with a brilliant, self-absorbed Danish academic. I've never thought of Julianne Moore playing a Danish academic, quite frankly, with the accent that that... Mm -hmm. Yes, anyway, the more they get to know one another, the more they are smitten. I'm talking about the two characters played by Greta Gerwig and Ethan Hawke. Before you know it, Hawke has left Julianne Moore and moved in with Gerwig. And then suddenly they've got a baby on the way. We're talking about Ethan Hawke and mm. Freddie Gerwig. But Maggie's plan was never going to be conventional and they, this sort of conventional, they lived happily ever after kind of screenplay, was never going to be like that. With Gerwig's opinionated and married best friends, played by Bill Hader and Maya Rudolph, observing Riley from the sidelines, Gerwig sets in motion a new plan that catapults her into this nervy love triangle. So the movie Maggie's Plan mixes heart and humour, story about the variability of relationships over time. Gerwig, not surprisingly, was attracted to the script and its sexy and modern defiance of romantic convention. So she says it's all about these people falling in love and falling out of love and finding each other again, and nothing is perfect or cliched. I've never read anything like that before. As the film progresses, Maggie's methods may be questionable, but it's her complexities and flaws that make her a fascinating and quite refreshing character that audiences want to journey with. So what Gerwig says, Maggie would like to lead an ethical life, but she's also a realist, and there's something intoxicating about her ability to move through the world without feeling like she must do this out of guilt. She she wants to lead this ethical, true life. She feels like a very distinct spirit. That's what Gerwig is saying about Maggie. And the writer-director agrees. 
Maggie is driven by the need to be truthful. She's driven by ethics, which leads her to make messes. The story is motivated by a desire not to be wasteful, a desire to do the right thing. And the, the director here has made four previous films. She's made Angela, Personal Velocity, Three Portraits, The Ballad of Jack and Rose, and The Private Lives of Pippa Lee. So there's a bit of variety there on that portfolio too. Abs- absolutely. Accustomed to writing original screenplays or those based upon her own books. All of that is very, very good. But this time she sought a story to further develop and she found that in an unfinished novel by her good friend, an author called Karen Rinaldi. And the result is a rich and rewarding, thoroughly enjoying, uh, thoroughly enjoyable, offbeat film that introduces foible-rich characters trying to do the best they can with the lives they lead. And arguably, I reckon that's what human beings are all about, isn't it? I mean, we all try to do the best. and we, In the we, end? Well, we bumble and fumble our way through our lives. I mean, it, you know, I'm, I'm, I know that there are some things that people do well, but there's also times when you're totally at sea. Would you, would you not agree with that? I, I, I can't argue. Yeah, and I think that's true of all of us. I mean, there's this bravado for the outside world, but, you know, then something unexpected happens and you have to learn to cope. And that's the sort of movie that Maggie's plan is, you know. And I liked it for that, you know, and I really do. And I haven't mentioned the director's name. Her name is Rebecca Miller. And I admire the job that she's done on this because it isn't conventional and why should it be? So, I mean, I should say that, Julianne Moore, well, is stretched here into unfamiliar territory, adopting this decidedly foreign accent as the brainiac who's lost touch with her husband. Although it was different in the context, I thought it worked okay. I mean, it wasn't a bad role. And as for the guys, all the main players, the meat in the sandwich, Gerwig's best friend, Bill Hader, and the pickle baron with a heart of gold, Travis Fimmel, they made Maggie's plan even more edifying. And as far as Greta Gerwig is concerned, she was excellent playing the charming controller or maybe that should be wannabe controller. It is a delight from start to finish, Maggie's plan, combining wit with wisdom, earthy interchanges between the players, and the takeaway is no matter how much control you think you actually have, you haven't. And that's true, I reckon, in the tough times. So Maggie's plan featuring Greta Gerwig's best performance to date, 7.5 out of 10, runs for 99 minutes. And now, Alex, Mm -hmm. and now, Alex, a little bit of movie trivia for you. Please. Would you like to go back to the year 1988? Oh, yeah. I, I was younger and even more handsome then. Well, the... the, the Self-centred, year, yes. I, I mention this because in the year 1988, a movie called Crossing Delancey came out. Right. I don't know if you remember the movie yes, Crossing Delancey. Yes, I Delancey. do. He starred, starred Amy Irving and Peter yes. Weigert. And, uh, look, it didn't have... have many large names in it but here is the here is the plot summary courtesy of uh, Jeremy Perkins from imdb.com Isabel's life revolves around the New York bookshop she works in and the intellectual friends of both sexes she meets there her grandmother remains less than impressed come on sound more enthusiastic man and I'm getting to it trust me <laughs> and decide I need to build up to this and right. decides to hire a good old-fashioned Jewish matchmaker to help Isabel's love life along enter Pickle maker Sam, who immediately takes ah, to Isabel. Ah. So there we go. As far as I've been able to ascertain while you were talking from, from extensive research, i.e. a couple of minutes Google search, uh, Maggie's Plan becomes the second movie in Hollywood history to involve a character who is a pickle maker. 
I am so proud of you for having found that. That is so useful. I mean, somehow I've got to include that in a sentence now that I write. There is something for a trivia night. Name that the is two very... Hollywood movies. So if anybody asks you how many movies have been made that feature pickle salesmen, mm-hmm. you can now say at least two. At least two. And you can name them both. You can name Crossing Delancey from 1988 and you can name Maggie's Plan from 2016 and just repeat the score for Maggie's Plan for us again Alex Yes, uh, I've now uh, I've totally forgotten what I scored it but I think I'm going to give it a 7 to 7.5 out of 10 If not, not, it's very close to that Uh, No, I'm actually I I am going to give it a a 7.5 actually Uh, Okay, there we go (laughs) Now, Love and Friendship, that's what that was all about This, This next movie is called Love and Friendship It's rated PG in Australia 94 minutes, period comedy about matchmaking and heartbreak. Whit Stillman, who did Metropolitan the Last Days of Disco, he directs his own adaptation of an unfinished Jane Austen novella. Now, I had never heard of this book, or unfinished though it may have been, Lady Susan. Had you heard of Lady Susan? No. Well, it's set in the opulent drawing rooms of 18th century English society, focusing on the delicious scheming and manipulations of a beautiful widow, Lady Susan Vernon, played by Kate Beckinsale. Lovely role for her, beautiful, one of her best. While waiting for social chat about her personal indiscretion to pass, she takes up temporary residence at her in-law's estate. And during her time there, the intelligent, flirtatious, highly egotistical Lady Vernon is on a mission to find a husband not only for herself, but for her long-suffering daughter, Frederica. She's aided and abetted by a loyal friend, Alicia Johnson, played by Chloe Savigny, who is an American loyalist exiled from Connecticut. But a couple of young men, a handsome Reginald de Courcy, played by an Australian, Xavier Samuel, and the silly, cheerful, very, very rich Sir James Martin, Tom Bennett, severely complicate their plans. Lady Susan was written in the, well, mid-1790s. Jane Austen was about to start working on her first version of Sense and Sensibility. By the way, it was not called Sense and Sensibility at that time. It was called Eleanor and Marianne. That I didn't know. That is a piece of trivia for you that can add to the number of pickle salesmen that have been made into movies. You see, that's two we've done today. That's two important pieces of trivia. Fantastic. May you take that to your grave. Okay. Good. Uh, I don't wish that upon you. No, not not any time soon, but I will. No, 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 please. Um... Yes. So I was going to say, you won't die. It's all right. You'll live on. I, I plan to live forever. In, in, so, so far, so good. Cryogenics, that's the answer. <laughs> Both. But I don't like the cold. And, that, and you live in Canberra? I'll stop it. Tell us more about love and friendship. You really do need to go to where... You need to go and stay in the Ice Hotel, Chris. I'll banish you there. You know, where it gets to minus 30 outside. <laughs> Both... Both of the works that I was talking about <laughs> that Jane Austen wrote, I'm talking about Eleanor and Marion and Lady Susan, were originally produced in letter form, which is rather an unusual way of producing something, but there you go. They were originally letters. And Jane Austen was aged about 20. I mean, that's, that's again, that says a lot about when the most prolific works for one of the greatest authors ever known or known the word ever is not necessary. One of the greatest authors known. I, yeah, aged about 20. The adaption or the attraction of adapting Austen's early novella concerning the clever and triumphant Lady Susan 
was actually the hope of adding another Austen volume to her very great mature works, although in this case, of course, it was in film form. And Lady Susan was the title that Austen's nephew had given her untitled manuscript when her family finally allowed it to be published. You know, that was 50 years, half a century after her death. So it took them a while to give them the go-ahead. In the case of the movie, which involved more characters, a larger canvas, the title is actually taken from one of Austen's youthful short stories. That's why it moved from Lady Susan to Love and Friendship. Kate Beckinsale, amazing, owns the character, the key character here, the pot stirrer that she is, and it's a genuinely disingenuous performance. Her propensity to twist men in particular around her little finger appear to know no bounds. It appears to know absolutely no limits. Her dexterous use of language sees her extricate herself from even the most uncomfortable position. Mind you, with so many characters, it does take a while to work out who's who in the zoo. Respective names and positions are literally written onto the screen, some quite comically. But it's still hardly a straightforward exercise to join the dots, so to speak. And then there are giant leaps in terms of plot development. So you've got to concentrate. Concentration is required to keep up with what just happened off camera. And that may delight some, but is bound to infuriate others. I'm, I'm not big on that, you know? No, I can understand that, Chris. Because, it is, look, it is tough to get your head around. But And maybe it's one of those movies that needs a second viewing, you know? Uh, but... Most movies, you shouldn't have to watch it a second time. But there's no doubting the shrewdness in the writing and the plotting. Far-fetched and oh-so-cheeky to be sure, but also delightful. And as with so many period pieces, the architecture, the interiors, the costuming are quite exquisite. Last word then surely has to go to Kate Beckinsale. Heaven help us if a woman so steeped in manipulation and subterfuge decides to play games with you, Chris. <laughs> I got nothing. Yeah, I understand that. I got nothing. Uh, it is rated PG in Australia. It is a running time of 94 minutes. Perfect running time. Scoring a 7 to 7.5 out of 10, if you are prepared to stick with it. Love and friendship. And finally, on Movies First, we go to another movie this week. No live show today. Sorry for live show, live show fans. We will rectify that in the not-too-distant future. Uh, but this is this is an Aussie film, and I reckon this is one of those ones that'll be a slow boil. Alex Goldstone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. Look, rated M in Australia, 110 minutes. And go back to Mystery Road, 2013. It, it It's sort of a, a companion piece. It is actually a follow-up, but they're not saying it's a follow-up. Continues to pack the form as punch, though. When Indigenous detective Jay Swan, played by Aaron Pedersen, reprising his award-winning role, arrives in the frontier mining town of Goldstone on a missing persons inquiry, his investigation quickly unearths a web of crime and corruption. I must uh, acknowledge that I went... Well, when I started at the ABC in the TV newsroom... Not long after I started, Aaron Pedersen was engaged. He was one of two positions that had been saved for Indigenous Australians. So there were cadetships and then there were special positions for Indigenous Australians. I didn't mind that at all. He was a real scallywag. I loved him. He was a great guy. And it really was a terrific fellow to work with. And still Just, putting out good content these days oh, too. But, I mean, he was a journo, mm. right? I mean, and, and he obviously changed over in terms of his careers, but he, he just had this cheeky n nature about him, really, really loved that about him, and um, so I just have to declare that. To bring justice to Goldstone, a place where different cultural worlds collide and, and vice rules, this cop 
or this detective, Swan, has to pull his life together, bury his personal differences with a young local cop called Josh, played by Alex Russell. And it's set against this spectacular desert landscape. Features a very strong cast. Jackie Weaver, David Gulpilil, David Wenham, Cheng Pei Pei, who did Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Tom E. Lewis, the chant of Jimmy Blacksmith. You know, so you've got a really strong cast. And Michelle Lim Davidson, who was in Utopia. Fifth feature for an Australian auteur called Ivan Sen, who also did Mystery Road and Beneath Clouds and Tumela. Wrote, directed, shot, edited and scored the movie. Can you, be, can you beat that? <laughs> rot, direct, r- r- rot, I said. Wrote. It's not rot, it's very good. Wrote, directed, shot, edited and scored. I don't think I've ever seen anybody who's done more in that's a, a that, That's really a good way to make sure you get your name in the credits again yes. and again and again. Indeed. Indeed it is. Um, who made this movie? I did. Well and truly. Strong performances, really well-crafted script make this anything but a run-of-the-mill mystery. So... Peterson's character has this strong moral compass when it comes to righting wrongs, and, and yet his hard-lived past always threatens to derail him. Clearly he's a man who's lived with darkness. Swan, the character he plays, says very little but sees a great deal. When we first come across him, all we actually do see is a drunkard. Fine introduction to Peterson's capabilities as an actor for those who may not have seen him before. Russell is his perfect counterpoint as the local cop willing to turn a blind eye to keep the peace. Someone, though, who undergoes a metamorphosis as events unfold. There's no doubt Russell has got charisma and charm, uses it to great effect in portraying Josh. We know Jackie Weaver is capable of so much as an actor, and among that is showing menace. Well, apparent throughout Goldstone is that menace. Wenham as well has a certain bite about him. David Gulpilil, nothing short of believable whenever I see him, I just love seeing David Gulpilil in movies, and so it is again here, even though it's a small role. Make no mistake, the desert is another significant character. Its vastness, its beauty, and the emptiness is emphasised here. Talking of the landscape and the cinematography, the handful of aerial shots used are a particular feature of Goldstone, which really does take us on a journey well worth travelling, only shows once again what a gifted filmmaker Ivan Sen is a man who just does about everything when it comes to doing movies. He he um, he really uses tight crews and 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 he, he's just he's, he's an in, in inveterate inveterate what's the word for it inventor. He's a creator extraordinaire. He's 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 a guy that I really like to follow because he's he's different and what he does is is rather special. This one is too. Goldstone, it's called. It's rated M in Australia, 7.5 out of 10. So keep an eye out for it. Uh, like I said, it's one of these ones that's a bit of a slow burn. I think it'll wind up being a favourite on the festival circuit. You know? oh, I reckon. Yeah, I reckon it will too, and it deserves to be. Indeed. So one to keep an eye out for at your and, local and do movie go festival. And see, I, I'm sorry to talk over you. I didn't mean to do that. But what I was going to say, uh, if you haven't seen Mystery Road, see Mystery Road first and see this immediately thereafter. Make it an Ivan Sen festival. There we go. Have your own little Ivan Sen festival. And make sure you credit movies first when you do it. Thank you very much, Alex. First, we'll talk again about more my movies and other live plays soon. That is absolutely my pleasure. And I've talked over you twice, and I'm I'm going to stand in a, a, a bad boy's corner for doing so. You do that. We'll give you a pointy hat to wear with it as well. Good man. <laughs> Thanks, Alex.
Catch us, Chris. You've been listening to Movies First with Alex First and Chris Coleman. Subscribe to the full podcast at Audioboom, Stitcher and iTunes or your favourite podcast distributor. This has been another quality podcast production from Bytes.com. From Audioboom comes Covert, a new podcast that delves into the murky world of spies, soldiers and top secret military operations. I'm Jamie Rennell, and together we'll discover the real stories of history's greatest classified missions, told by the operatives, soldiers, and journalists who experienced it firsthand. Follow Covert on Spotify, or subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorite shows. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.